Chelsea bodies, a low ball, an over, wow, that is beautiful work from Myra Ramirez. Ashley Lawrence with the low ball, and it found Myra Ramirez, who somehow managed to flick it up and into the back of the net. What's good? Welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I'm Andre Carlisle here as your host, but of course, as always, with my co-host, Courtney Stith. Courtney, how are you? Less temperamental than last time. Nice. A lot more country. <laughs> there there might be a reason for that. The Yeehaw Agenda has returned. Yeehaw Agenda. <laughs> you want to know a funny TikTok yeah. I saw? Yes. So it was like, are you country country or are you Beyonce country? And they're like, instead of saying yeehaw, we should say beehaw. Oh, okay. So I think it's now the beehaw agenda. The, the beehaw agenda. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. It's, I felt like the yeehaw agenda, the, the original one, it almost like it flamed out too quickly. I like, I kind of wasn't done. I thought we were going to like keep it rolling for a while. So I'm glad another version of it is back. It's making me happy. I agree because I love the yeehaw agenda. For those who don't know, uh, well, I don't have Southern roots. Technically, my family has Southern roots. All my family's from Virginia and not like Nova, Richmond, like, hello, we grew up in a place that was 20 miles north of the North Carolina border and didn't get Wi-Fi till 2013. <laughs> the country. They literally jokingly call it the low ground. Um, and so I have made jokes before. Also, sometimes I talk to my mom and a Southern accent comes out and I don't know where it comes from. And it's never purposeful, and sometimes I think I am having serious health issues when that happens, because sometimes I also can't lose it, which is a problem. <laughs> uh, and so, yes, I am just slowly becoming more and more country every day. The more I listen to those two tracks by yeah. the Queen. Listen, black country people, black country folks are some of my favorite people in the world. Uh, they're incredible. They're great. I'm very excited for this. I will say it's like... On the flip side, it has made people like lose their fucking minds like already, which is also very funny. I saw this this one good. person tweet like she's you know like uh what damn I can't even remember how they said it but basically it was like she's she's the way that she's she's singing with a country accent like this is like stealing from our culture and I'm like yo she's a black woman from Houston Texas <laughs> she's from Texas <laughs> like what are you? If you've didn't never come, like, heard a country from, accent before, that's intentional. She is black right. from Houston, Texas. I was like, also, like, you want to get mad at someone for, uh, uh, oh, also, now they understand appropriating culture. Uh, right. Mm. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> also, you want to talk about appropriating country culture, go look at Taylor Swift. Uh, well, she, had a, she had a full fake accent for two years. I, I can do you one better. Go look at the entire genre of country music. <laughs> Where did it start? It started with us. Keith Urban is a man from Australia. <laughs> Wait, that's his name, right? That's Nicole Kidman's husband, right? That that's sounds right to me. I was like, I think that's his name. But yeah, that man is from Australia and is somehow a country singer with a U.S. Southern accent. Please make it make sense. Beyonce is from the South. Beyonce is she from should. Texas. And those two new tracks also like, I mean, we can just start the episode with this. But the, because <laughs> now I'm just leaning into it. But also those tracks like... It shows how deep her roots are because they also don't sound like very different than other Beyonce tracks we've heard. Yeah. Yep. Like not even like before, like I'm talking about like even before Lemonade, like 
they don't sound that different. Like it just fit, like it fits within her. It's it's her roots, and I'm really excited for um, the Beehaw agenda. <laughs> the Beehaw agenda. That's amazing. Um, yeah, we'll we'll probably have more to say about that uh, in heated and hyped tease sneak peek preview all of that um but let's talk about uh let's get into the review so we can get into the rest of the episode because we actually have a lot to talk about uh we're gonna read a review from jazz chima shout out to you believe you're in canada so shout out to canadian listeners love that um we love it when y'all rate and review the podcast so please rate and review the podcast if you have already do it again you know it'll be fine it's free it'll be fine um but yeah when you do that uh, please, five stars, please leave a dad joke, all that good stuff. So let's get into the review from Jazz Chima. Impeccable vibes. Thank you so much. Here's the review. Could not recommend enough. A great balance of laughs and valuable insight. This pod creates space for black women in a sport that is traditionally in the States and in Canada. Very white, and I really appreciate and enjoy that. Listening is never a waste of my time. Take it from me, a gooner, a.k.a. fan of white blonde FC. <laughs> hey, they said it, not me. Don't clip it. Don't get mad at me. They said it, not me. Uh, and here's the terrible dad joke. Don't put us on blast. Right? It, 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 I'm just reading. I'm just reading. Uh, here's the terrible dad joke. A termite walks into a bar and asks, is the bartender here? I feel it took him a moment to get it. It's like, yeah. huh? it's like what? That is it a is good one, one of those that's just like abrupt and you're like, wait, do you have more to say? Or is that the, oh, I see the tender like chicken or something i got yeah 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 i'm here for Andre, that i'm, I'm here trying for to that. find i'm trying to find the dead joke thing i think i threw it out okay a uh, quick side note for everyone i eat these little healthy slim gyms essentially and i eat the kids versions because they taste much better than the adult versions they're like less salty um and whatever but <laughs> and i found it <laughs> are you ready for this are you ready for this joke probably not it made me giggle <laughs> <laughs> Why do vampires seem sick all the time? Why? Because they're always coughing. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was going to crack up for like five minutes yesterday. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Wow. Anyway, That's leave a dad joke. <laughs> Come up with the worst one you can think of, so that way I can force Andre to read it. Hey, n- hey listen. The bar t- is the bartender here. That one's funny. I- I'm here for that one. That, that is short. It-, it gets you. If you don't get it right away, it takes you a minute. Like I- I'm-, I'm here for that one. I like that one. I haven't heard that one before, so I'm here for it. You don't um, like my kids, my kids' dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. The the coffin thing. I wasn't. I didn't really vibe with it, but it is funny, kind of. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Vampires, coffins. Hey, I I, I got it. Words. I I understand, but I I wasn't I wasn't vibing with it as much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Understood. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to talk about in this episode. We got the Gold Cup coming up, which is a new tournament. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, USLW is here and got Division One sanctioning, which is interesting and we're going to talk about that the champions league draw for the women is out we're going to talk about that and then we're going to talk about uh some some matches coming up preview some matches review some matches that happened across england and also some swiss foolishness with the euros we're going to talk about that all and then probably beyonce again at some point or many points throughout the episode we'll see courtney anything else before we get started no The Women's Gold Cup is here. The W Gold Cup. I am so excited for this because this is an international tournament I've been wanting to see. Um, Do I love that it's in February? No. 
but am I envisioning that in non-Olympic and World Cup years it will be in the summer? Yes. Um, and the We Don't Know What She Believes Cup will go back to its um, rightful <laughs> place in February. Um, but no, I'm super excited about the W Gold Cup for those who don't know, this is its first iteration um, to that we've ever seen. So it'll be 16 teams across four groups. Sorry, it's 12 teams across three groups. Maths. <laughs> there will be 12 teams across three groups. I've, it threw me off because there are still a qualifier happening for the last spot in each group. Yeah. But, um, you know, the first time that CONCACAF is doing something like this, I'm so excited for it. The teams that are participating are the U.S., Canada, um, Mexico, Costa Rica, Panama, Haiti, Paraguay, Brazil, Colombia, and there's one I'm missing. Argentina. And Argentina. I was like, there's four out of Conmebol. And then there are uh, three teams joining. The winner of Haiti, Puerto Rico, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Guyana versus the Dominican Republic. I am personally so excited for this tournament. Technically, it kicks off on Saturday with those qualifiers of those six teams playing and basically a one-off match to see who gets at the bottom of the group. Um, and from there, the, the tournament kicks off. And it's really the first time we've ever seen something like this between a CONCACAF and a Coma Bowl, um, which I am in particular really, really happy about. Like, there, I think there are going to be so many good things coming out of this tournament. And I think it's going to be a good test for a lot of these teams. Like, not saying that the she, like, she believes did not matter. But, like, it is just, like, a completely different type of tournament, especially when you're building into a into an Olympic year where we know that there's so much drop-off, especially for a lot of teams, in between the World Cup and those teams that then go and make it to the Olympics. Um, part of it because of, like, load management, retirements, all that stuff. But also, with that, I think um, one of the reasons why it's, I think sometimes it's so hard to take success from a World Cup into an Olympic year or like into the olympics besides the, the gap in time in between them but i also feel like you go from this tournament style into just kind of playing friendlies and yet and like yeah you kind of have you know you have like one of those one-off tournaments in february but this is like a legitimate tournament like the team that will ultimately win this tournament will play seven games just like they do in the olympics so i think it's, it's going to be really really good i am super here for this tournament i absolutely love that the south american federation so that's coma ball um has teams in it um, as well. I think this is, I want to see more of this, especially from like CONCACAF, Comable, you know, other other federations. I kind of want to see them join one another for kind of tournaments like this because UEFA is stacked. And I think it, like when they put on a Euros, when they put on like any, any kind of tournament that brings in a bunch of UEFA squads, you can have like some really high-end competition uh, across the board. So I love this. Yeah, I think this is a really, really, really great idea. And I'm here for it. I'm really excited about this tournament. I'm more excited than I thought I'd be. But as it gets closer, I'm kind of looking at the matchups and I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I am deeply excited. Um, And so, and also, I'm like, even though I will say I'm a little flip floppy about how the groups ended up shaking out. Um, So as I like, as I mentioned, it's three groups of four teams. Group A is Mexico, the U.S., Argentina, and the winner of um, the winner of Guyana, Dominican Republic. Group B is Panama, Colombia, Brazil, which I'm like, 
that's a stacked little group. And um, Sorry, ultimately the winner. <laughs> yeah, and ultimately the winner of Haiti, Puerto Rico. Uh, and then Group C is Costa Rica, Paraguay, Canada, and the winner of El, words, El Salvador, Guatemala. Um, and so I do think they maybe could have shaken this up a little bit more. Um, I personally would have just liked to see a bit more. And I know it's hard, right? There's like, you know, there's going to be two CONCACAF teams in each group and then one CONMEBOL team in each, or sorry, three teams out of CONCACAF in each group and then one team out of CONMEBOL in each group. Um, or technically that's how it should have shaken out. And so I don't really love that Brazil and Colombia are in the same group, like specifically for that reason. Um, but well, I think if my if my calculations are correct, that sounds almost right. Um, but yeah, I just don't love that Brazil and Colombia are in the same group. I would have loved Colombia to be in like um, honestly, yeah. if I could make the easy or not the easy swap, but if I could have made a swap, I probably would have put Costa Rica, like Costa Rica, Panama, Brazil, in one group, and put Colombia with Canada and Paraguay. Um, yeah. If I had the choice, um, but yeah, I think like the matchups that we were going to see are going to be really really good um we've seen like all of these rosters come um coming about and i know for me speaking about colombia very curious of how they're going to do they're missing a lot of their heavy hitters um unfortunately either due to injury or chelsea just deciding not to release myra ramirez hey, hey, hey. Um, i saw you ask that but, question on twitter and i was like Courtney. it's a Wait. fair quest it is a <laughs> genuine a fair question to ask especially i mean like we know colombia has qualified for the olympics yes and like look i know i feel like i know we are chelsea fans but also at the same time i'm like this is an important especially when you are missing a player like alessi santos or their goal or their goalkeeper who tore acl um like it is also important to keep that core together so when the olympics come around like i think it'd be different if the w gold cup just happened for some reason in february and it wasn't an olympic year and they're like they decided not to play her or not to let her go fine but i'm also like this isn't these are going to be important matches for colombia especially if they want to repeat the success that they had at the world cup at the olympics which is why i'm feeling a little type of way but also i want to see Myra ramirez go up against some of these defenses <laughs> and like see I, I, how she's do like <laughs> so that's it's why i asked the question i think it's a fair question to ask oh it's but, definitely a fair question to ask i'm just like you know Emma Hayes gonna do what Emma Hayes gonna do. She's she's being a project manager, and I for one appreciate it. Thank you, <laughs> ma'am, for managing this project. Appreciate it. I mean, sure. And also, we know that, like, <laughs> I think for also one overarching thing with a lot of these teams is a lot of them. I know that was like, um, it ended up getting kind of swept into the underbelly of the World Cup about, especially in light of. Spain winning in the fall and Luis Rubiales just being an absolutely atrocious person. Um, but a lot of also the fights that women's teams around the world are going through kind of got swept in under the, like in the underbelly of the tournament. Like at least to my knowledge, there are some Colombian players that are still beefing with their Federation, if not mm -hmm. like a significant portion of the program um, over, you know, actually a, a lot of different things. And like, I know the same, not to completely move us sideways but like the same for example with canada mm -hmm. like they are still beefing with their federation and so um it's all, like to me it's also a bit of like the federations all try to get it together during the world cup because it's the world cup and they don't want to get at least extremely embarrassed on the world stage but when it comes to a tournament like this like for example will they keep it together but yeah for a team like colombia they're obviously missing their heavy hitters 
Another team I have a question about, I know we also just mentioned their beef with their federation, Canada. Are they going to continue sufferballing? Is that what they're going to do? They had, they were one of the teams that got grouped. Yes, they were in a group of death. But I think when you look at that squad comparatively, like if we flipped a coin, it could have been, for example, Nigeria going through, it could have been Canada going through, like in that World Cup group. And they had like, you know, <laughs> they did not play well during that World Cup collectively as a unit. So, um, and also they're officially, you know, there's no more Christine Sinclair. There's no more Sophie Schmidt um, going into this tournament. So how are they going to play? Are they still going to suffer ball? That's a question I have. Andre, do you think they're still going to suffer ball throughout this tournament? I don't know. I'm sad because Jade Riviere is also going to miss um, the yeah. tournament. She picked up an injury, and so that really sucks because she had been playing quite Mark well. Skinner. Uh, yeah, so that's annoying. Um, I will say, I don't know. <laughs> this kind of goes back to your point about the federations and, and if they're going to be serious or not. I have no idea if this was the result of unseriousness or if this is actually something to read into. But in looking at Canada's official release of their squad, Quinn was listed as a defender. Gabby Carl, who plays left back for the Spirit, really? was listed as a midfielder. So I don't know if they're going to try, like if Bev is going to try and mix some things up, maybe be a little bit more attacking in some ways. So I was like, interesting. We'll see if that happens. This could just be somebody who don't know the team being told to like, here you go, put these players out there. And they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, it's Canada. It's Canada. I, the, I, don't, I don't know. I, there's only so much like leeway I'm willing to give them, but if there's if there's if there's the ability or the desire for Bev, who I believe didn't she just sign a new contract as well? Um, she if did there's just sign a, new contract. yeah, if she's feeling more secure and wanting to try new things instead of kind of maybe feeling that anxiousness or anxiety of the team not performing well or living up to that when they won the gold medal, which they did it basically purely through defense, uh, which their def- defense was awesome, but they also have a lot of great attacking players. I'd like to see it loosened up a little bit. Or a lot bit, but we'll see if we get that. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm intrigued. I'll say that I'm intrigued by this Canada squad because I always thought that they played way more defensively than they needed to with their talent. Um, but you know, I guess I guess we'll find out. But I'm hoping that we don't have to run into more Canada suffer ball. I would appreciate that not happening. Yeah, of course I, it's Concacaf still. Like it's still a Concacaf tournament. You can you can mess around like a, that if you want to. I was like, this is a Concacaf <laughs> with Comebol tournament. <laughs> right. Things are gonna get crunchy. Yeah, and things are things will be happening. Yeah, it's gonna be a little spicy, and thing just weird stuff happens. So you can play a perfect defensive game and still mess around and lose three nil because somebody scored three bangers on you. Like it's just <laughs> this is gonna be a wild wild tournament. So I hope that's right. not the plan heading in for Canada. We'll see. Yeah, I'm actually so I I am looking at I have all the the official rosters in front of me and I did not notice that Quinn is listed as a defender. Yeah. It's interesting. Wow. I was like, Gabby Again, Carl getting they, moved up to the midfield. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're going to do a three, five, two or something. Maybe. Fun. Maybe. Um, but, I'm saying it, it could be fun or it could just be them. Whoever typed that out. Don't know shit. <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> that too is facts. Um, but yeah, just that's some questions I have about Canada, but Andre, we had some sad, sad, or sorry, bittersweet news for the U.S. last night that Alana Cook is pulled out of the tournament due to a minor knee yeah. injury. But that also means Captain Becky. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Becky is back. Becky Sauerbrunn has been called in. Um, it, it raised. I saw that and it raised two questions. I was like, 
Does that mean we purposefully weren't calling her in before? I think at a time, you can't have a listener be the only vet. Like, we know we joked, like, in November went to Australia, it was, like, Becky and the kids. Um, which, like, kind of makes sense as team captain, but I was like, why weren't we calling her in before? Even to just, like, help this this current transition that the U.S. Women's National Team is in. Um, but she is in. I can't lie, I am curious if she's going to take back the captain's armband. Because I don't, like, with, no, like, I'm, it's a genuine question, because I was like, did, like, we know when any time a new coach takes over any type of team, for the most part, your captains change. Like, I feel like there's, like, very, or there's, like, only a few occurrences where maybe your captains don't change. And we saw, for example, when Vlaco took over, he gave the captain's armband to Becky, and Becky as sole captain were previously, like, the U.S. Men's National Team, I think of, like, four captains, technically. Um, but, like, Becky was, like, the sole captain, and then you had a vice captain. And since Becky's been injured, Lindsay Rand obviously is, because she was voted elected, I don't know how they choose captains. She was chosen as vice captain. <laughs> Essentially, I didn't want to say like elected because I was like, I don't know that that's, that's like the right terminology. Um, but she was vice captain of the team, and so my question is: technically, a new leaf has been turned. Is Lindsay Horan the captain? Like, not vice off her name, or is Becky Sauerbrunn still captain and Lindsay Horan is still vice captain? And that's just a question I have. I'm just like I, I just want to know. Like, for, just from like take away everything that has happened in the last three weeks. Like, I still would have had this question if Becky was called up in the last window. I was like, is she captain? Is she not captain? There's been well, a coaching change. I don't I'm know. I'm going to say, you don't need to take away everything that happened. <laughs> it, I know. I does. know. But I know people are going to say, oh, you're just like looking at, like, you're just talking about the article yes. and everything that happened. But I'm yes. like, this, I'm just saying, this is a question that I've had. Like, if Becky was called in the last international right. window, like, that is still a question I would have had. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. No, no, is no. She I. I agree. It it would be a question no matter what, but I think it becomes even more of a question when your captain calls American soccer fans not smart. Uh, so, so I do think that correct. there are still correct. those questions, Direct and now it's the even New York Times more correct. <laughs> now I think it's even more of a question. However, I don't expect it to change. Um, the main reason I don't expect it to change is because I don't think Becky's going to start as many games as a lot of Cook would. Uh, I think we're probably looking at uh, Abby Dahlkemper rotating in a bit more, Tanner Davison rotating in a bit more. And so I don't necessarily see her starting. If it was going to be like her and Naomi Gurma as the central defensive pairing, I'd say, yeah, she's going to be on the pitch 90 minutes and that's going to be the case. But I think there's going to be rotation and I don't think you can switch your captain. Well, you could, but I don't think they're going to go through that hassle switching their captain up every other game. So uh, the one question I do have, I love Becky. I love that Becky's back. I appreciate that Becky's back. I would appreciate even more if they would just make her captain, like you said, because, you know, everybody knows where I stand on this situation. But I think for me, it's also an interesting question of, would this be a better opportunity to kind of like get somebody like Sam Staub in? And maybe they didn't want to do that because she's with a brand new team and trying to like learn that system and integrate into a very new environment. So maybe this just wasn't the right time. But I was thinking, you know, this could have been an interesting opportunity because you still do have Davidson and Dahlkemper. They'll be able to pick up a bulk of the minutes, but you could bring somebody else along in a limited capacity to kind of help build their... I'm, I'm just kind of thinking of the passing capability of a Sam Staub, Naomi Gurma central defensive partnership. That makes wow. me really happy. But like, you know, it, it, I, I also can completely understand the argument that it may not have been time for that right now, given that she's with a new team. Not that she is not deserving of a call-up, 
But I think when you call in a Naomi Gurma, a Tierna Davidson, and an Abby Dahlkemper, a player like Stam, and they're all healthy, I don't think a player like Sam Stop gets the call, unfortunately. I do see a lot of, like, especially that passing range. Yeah. Like, Abby Dahlkemper is, like, really good at pinging a, a ball as well. So. And so, that, like, that's just, like, what I'm, like, I see there, especially with, like, an Abby Dahlkemper and a Sam Staub, like, I do see a lot of overlap between the two, which is why I think it, like, regardless of if Alana Cook was not called in or something, or, like, had to be pulled out, I think there's so much overlap between those two. I think it, in, in terms of the the role they're supposed to serve on the team or on the field, that I don't think that would necessarily happen. I had a question of Alana Cook is out. Where is Sarah Gordon? Fair question as well. So, well, uh, about I, w- I want to touch on Dahl Kemper and Stobbs passing because I think that is correct, and if you're, especially if you're talking about passing range. You know, Dahl Kemper has those really big switches. She's got that really big, long pass. She can measure it really precisely, and that's great. And Sam Stop can do that too, but her passing range is a little bit different. She either can lob the ball centrally over to, over the top. We've seen her pick up an assist by doing that, just straight from defense to you know a ball right behind the back line. But more so, it's her passing kind of along the ground with her foot. Like she has some incredible through balls with her left foot that break lines on the ground. And that's the kind of thing that I think would be interesting because I know Naomi Germa can do the same thing, but so can Sam Stop. She just happens to be left footed. And so the angles change and everything opens up a bit. So that's why I'd be a little bit more interested to see what Germa and Stop could do. From passing, but yeah, from like a long range passing, you can't really get better than Doll Kemper because when she's at her peak, like she's excellent at it. But yeah, it's it's that it's that maybe I don't know. I'm thinking of it from like an American football analogy, like no, a wide I, receiver I route tree. There's like these short, middle, intermediate routes things. You can mm-hmm. do a lot of things with Sam Staub and the in the all the passing range that she has along the ground as well, which makes it interesting for me. But yeah. No, no, and I think no, I think that's fully fair. I like just kind of seeing how this federation moves. Sometimes I feel like if there's a lot of overlap between players, if it's like they're like we got our gal for X, Y, and Z, and you're not bringing something entirely different, like for example, a Sarah Gordon, <laughs> where it's like, baby, you're not going to outrun her. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> you're not going to do it. Maybe unless you're Lynn Williams. <laughs> like I think about like the two fastest players yeah. in nwsl um even though fifa doesn't think that but that's a conversation for another time um well sorry not fifa yeah, sorry but um yeah i just i like see just like a lot of overlap i guess in terms of yeah of what they want to do like yes on the on the ground passing ability i also think is deeply important especially when uh there are times where you just choose to bypass the midfield which i expect to happen i expect yeah there to be no Proper midfielding happening still, unfortunately, but I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I would love for there to be some proper midfielding abilities, but not even abilities, just like actually having the midfield function collectively as a unit together as a midfield. But I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Um, Andre, you know what, though? I am my, um, what's the opposite of a silver lining? Like you're in a bad situation, something's going to happen. Like we're in a good situation, but there's like still a little cloud. I don't know. Maybe there's a little storm cloud on the distance. (laughs) There you go. Um, I I can't separate the fact that Jamaica should be here. Yeah. Jamaica should be in this tournament. And because of their Federation's foolishness, still now they have 
none of the players who played at the World Cup this past summer have rejoined the team, or if not all of them, if not the majority of them have not um, joined. There were one or two that I had questions about because they were kind of in the mix prior, and I don't think they ended up getting called up. But none of those players are back. Honestly, at this point, I'm like, I don't know if any of those players are going to come back to the Jamaican Federation, which makes me personally super sad, as I think the Ray girls like captured the hearts of a lot of people, and people enjoy watching them play. And also, even though it's like, maybe not the most attractive football to watch, they were really good and got out of a very tough group during this World Cup. And the fact that they're not here is deeply disappointing. Not and like not for the players, but like for the federation. Yeah. To let what let happened, happen. like yeah. what has happened, is deeply disappointing and pretty shameful. Yeah. What it, what let this continue happening, which is really the the, the frustration. It's just like, y'all. First of all, ain't y'all tired of this? Like you look like an embarrassment every single time it comes to the national team uh, coming together, and we hear a ton of stories, and it just it's just obnoxious and it's annoying, and I feel for the players, but I am. Also sad because they deserve to be at this tournament. Like they had the best defensive record at the World Cup. They allowed one single goal, and it was a really well worked goal from Colombia. And Colombia celebrated the hell out of that goal. And they should have because it was not easy to score on Jamaica. So, yeah, the football wasn't exactly the most expansive even though there were bright spots in the team, but that's how you start. That's how you build. You know, you get the solid defensively and then you continue to add different elements once you have the defending part of it down. And this should be a tournament where they're able to kind of take the next step and continue to grow and develop as a team, becoming more balanced. And we're just, obviously they're not even there. And we're who knows when we're going to see the reggae girls on the pitch again, given how the Federation continues to act and let them down. And so it's just, it's really disappointing and it's really frustrating because literally they just had like, they just had one of the best performances the country's ever had at a World Cup. And they grew the the profile of the, the program themselves. Like they were a great team to have and watch at the World Cup. They put off some amazing upsets. That, that draw versus They're- France was great. Like that was a great performance and nobody really expected Brazil. that. Yeah, that one too. You know, like they they played their asses off and they deserved all of the good results that they got. And to not be able to build off of that, to have a federation that still doesn't care, it's just, just heartbreaking and just extremely annoying. Yeah, and, and I know you said that it's the best program finish that they've ever had. It's the best program finish out of any Caribbean nation yeah. that is featured at a World Cup, men's or women's. They're the only yeah. Caribbean nation to make it to the round of 16 in a World Cup men's or women's. They're literally at, like, I know we talk, I'm not going to talk about Beyonce. I said, almost started because I was going to talk about legacy. But <laughs> the <laughs> legacy that they left in that World Cup, we don't know. Maybe, like, maybe in 2032? No, not 2032. What am I thinking? In 2026 on the men's side when the World Cup expands to 30. 48 teams i don't know i don't know what's going on in men's soccer sometimes but my point is is like maybe in a few years someone might try to be able to match that record but the fact that they made it out of that group is something to so deeply hang your hats on and the fact that the federation does not support them the fact that they let it get so sour between them and sadella marley and the bob and rita marley foundations for them to pull out their their funding of the women's team as well is something they should be deeply disappointed about. Yeah. And I'm disappointed yeah. for them. Yeah. 
I'm right there with you. It is very disappointing. And the, I think this this the part that really is even more frustrating for me, and I know like, well, not me personally, but just like looking at the situation and where it's at right now, like it feels like it's gone backwards. And I don't see like hope. We had the hope that like after the performance at the World Cup, okay, great. This is going to hopefully propel and show that even with the shitty level of investment, even with having to be bailed out by external benefactors, right? Even, even all of those things, this is what this team is capable of. So get your act together and let's see what can really happen because you have a talented group of players. You have a squad. You have players who deserve a lot better than what their federation has given them. And we're here and they can't even put a squad together because most of the players are like, well, I'm done. Like this is this is not right. It's not getting better. In fact, it's getting worse. And mm-hmm. it, it's tough to see how it fixes, how it changes and gets better. Not just gets better from here to where like the better would be the team being able to like go play games. That we're still a long way and it feels like even further away from like a fully funded actually got their shit together federation. Yeah, I agree. Um and obviously we're going to any updates that happen, we're going to keep covering it, keep talking about it, keep raising noise about it um but just some quick things for the rest of the tournament um some teams i am am particularly excited to watch um a team like paraguay i'm very interested to see they came um they narrowly missed out on the women's world cup in 2023 they beat chinese taipei in the intercontinental uh intercontinental playoff and then you know tied them beat them on penalties and then very narrowly lost to panama uh, as well in the intercontinental playoffs. Um, but they honestly did, I think they surprised a lot of people in the 2022, that feels right, <laughs> the 2022 Copa America Fem- <laughs> Femenina. And so they're a team that I'm like, kind of have like a little bit of my eye on. I'm like, they, besides the fact that anything is possible, I'm like, they're in a group against Panama that's going to be a big rematch that they're going to want to make some noise about. Um, and I think they have the opportunity also to make some noise with a, against a team like Costa Rica and then it, whatever the winner is between Guatemala and El Salvador. So they're a team I'm definitely keeping my eye on. Um, yeah, I feel like out of – and then, you know, obviously I'm paying attention to those play in, those teams that are uh, in the qualification, like who are still yet to qualify, but we don't know who it's going to be yet. And honestly, with those, anything could happen. Um, and then, Andre, lastly, I have some questions about Mexico. What are your questions? How are they going to do? Like, like, gen- like genuinely, <laughs> I know, basic question. question. Um, but you know, this, t- like, obviously they had that huge failure coming off the W championship. Um, even though they had a, a great performance against the U S should have gotten a point from it because, uh, the U S was offside in that goal that got them the winner. I will never let that go. Um, but you know, they're in a team, they're in a group with Mexico, the U S and the U S and the winner of Guyana and the Dominican Republic. And I'm just curious how they're going to do that. Obviously, they won the Pan American Games. That was a good thing for the program. But there's still the shadow of not making it to the Women's World Cup, especially when they're hosting a tournament, I think probably still surrounds them a bit. And so I'm like, I'm personally, I'm super curious of how, not necessarily how they're going to approach this tournament, but honestly, how they're going to do. Because I will say, like, it's not, and it's also for them, it's never been a, a lack of quality or anything like that. They've always had ballers. And at times we were like, look, like, don't sleep on Mexico. Um, 
but I'm just curious how they're going to shape up in this group. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm I love that Mexico team. It was actually really disappointing um the run that they had and it was unfortunate because you saw like all the talent, you know, watching Liga MX Femenil, which I think has been excellent for um the development of players and all of that. So it's been a little frustrating kind of to see them not be able to put it together, you know, they booted coaches and all of that and tried call up different players and everything. So it sounds like they're on a much better path, but I am a little like I, I did hear some of the frustration about who's really gonna like who's responsible for scoring the goals. And they're still calling up Diana Ordonez, who we know has like had a really good rookie season, but hasn't really been great since and also wasn't really great for me- hasn't really been great for Mexico just yet. And I think there are a lot of other players, you know, Alicia Cervantes from Chivas. I think even like Caddy Martinez is not even with the squad. So like that's another player that probably could go and get you some goals. So I still that think I'm surprised that, about. Yeah. So I'm still I'm still think that there's some selection issues that especially from the goal scoring standpoint that they could address. And it's a little frustrating that they hadn't that they didn't call those players in. Yeah, that is true. Even though, Andre, I, I do have to ask, one of your faves, Reyna Reyes, was called in and named yeah. to this Gold Cup roster. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? Is I'm it really another, excited. hello, United States of America, why aren't you paying attention to these players? <laughs> but t- talk to the people about Reyna Reyes. I mean, especially at fullback, right? Like that That's kind of like our thing. Like we, we keep especially saying- Especially at like, fullback. Please stop playing players who don't play as fullbacks because especially like a player like Crystal Dunn, you actually need what she does in midfield. So stop actually just being like, hey, yeah, we got fullback. It's all set. Yeah, she's great. I mean, she's extremely fun, too. She happens. She seems like she's in that mold where she's super attacking, but she's also athletic and aware enough to get back and defend. Uh, but when she's around the box, she's really good at combinations around the box. She's really good at service from wide areas as well. So like I'm really excited to see her and I hope she gets to grow within this Mexico team because she could absolutely be a weapon. And with some of the other like the attacking, the wide attacking talent that they have, they could really do some cooking uh, along the wings with her out there as well, because she's to me, she's she's approaching that level of like you got to like watch out for her like she had a really good they eased her in in portland but she had a really good season especially if you look at her numbers like her numbers are kind of outrageous in the way that she uh played the approach playing that position the underlying numbers are are really good uh in possession and both defending so like i'm i'm super hyped for her to see her development and hopefully she gets to continue to grow within that mexico squad because hey Again, if you if you're intent on playing Ordonez, then you really need to hope that Ordo, that, that Reyes uh, really grows into the team because she can put the ball on Ordonez's forehead when she needs to, and that's something I feel like you're gonna need if you're relying on that. That's another weapon, and that's a connection that you need to foster. So I'm I'm hyped to see her play more. Correct. You need as uh, Sky once said, put the ball on the forehead. Of Correct. Ordonez. <laughs> All right, Andre, um, are you ready to talk USLW? Let's do it. All right, Andre, I'm just going to give you the four about USLW because I want to hear all your thoughts. I have my opinions, but for those who don't know, um, earlier this past week, I think I believe it was on Monday. It feels like Monday. I don't know what day it is. Um, the USL Super League confirmed um, following U.S. Soccer's approval of its Division One sanction. 
that they will now compete at the highest level of professional women's soccer in the U.S. Yes, that means they're competing at the same level as the NWSL. If you think about a football pyramid, where, well, technically we don't really have it in the U.S., but um, let's talk about France. Uh, with D1 Arkema, there is a D2 Arkema league that is right under them, and there is promotion and relegation uh, here in the U.S. We obviously do not have that. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole with that conversation. But uh, the USL Super League and the NWSL would be competing at the highest level. Their season is kicking off this August, their inaugural season. Um, and they have eight markets across the U.S. The team names have not been, or the teams have not been announced, but the markets have been announced um, in that they will be competing in Brooklyn, New York, Charlotte, North Carolina, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, Spokane, Washington, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Washington, D.C. Um, I will say the teams in Spokane and Tampa Bay already do have names and crests and all that stuff. Uh, Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Sun FC is uh, owned by a one Christina Uncle, if you pay attention to referees, which is kind of cool. Um, some, also some reporting out of The Athletic in the last few days is that um, there will be no draft for the USL Super League, which... I find fascinating only for the, f like the first season. I'm like, teams need players. <laughs> um, but there will be no draft. Uh, Amanda Vandervoort said that quote, USL super league players are global free agents unless they're under contract in practical terms. This means our players can negotiate freely with whatever club they choose to before signing a contract upon the end of their contracts. They are free to negotiate with whomever they choose in the U S or abroad end quote. Um, and the last piece of information about this league is that they're going to be matching a European schedule for playing. That means they're playing from August to May. So, Andre. Oh, and also just some context for people. When we first heard about the USLW, they were going to be applying for D2 sanctioning, uh, which is to be uh, basically the second tier of women's soccer in the U.S. They reversed that de decision last May and said that they were going to decide to apply for D1 sanctioning. So, Andre, how are you feeling about this? What are your what are your immediate thoughts? My immediate thoughts are that I'm excited. Um, I think this sort of competition is good across leagues, especially with where women's soccer is at in this country. Um, what I think 56 players were just this season, 56 players were drafted in the NWSL and I believe over 200 registered. So there's a lot of talent and every year there's a lot of talent. Uh, talk about Paige Mateo a lot. She played for the Washington Spears, started multiple games last season, was undrafted. So again, there is a lot of talent. I think we can support this. That is good. It is a good thing to give more players, more professional opportunities, and even everything that the, the requirements of Division One versus Division Two. Now, the question will remain is what is the focus of the ownership? <laughs> that is going to be the question. Are they in this because they're riding a wave right now and they're trying to get in at less money than it would cost to join in the NWSL? Because as we have heard, NWSL expansion fees and costs are pretty hefty. Uh, NWSL owners are coming in with quite a bit of money. So you can either be looking at this as an opportunity to get in at a kind of a lower price point and maybe the league blows up, maybe there's enough competition or maybe there's enough, 
you know, spotlight. Maybe we get an open cup at some point. All of those things, like maybe yes, the, open cup. Yeah, maybe all of that happens and raises the profile, and the NWSL merges. We have seen that plenty of times in this country before. The NFL merged, I believe. What was it? The AFL or something? I don't remember. But the NFL. Who are you asking this question to? I'm like, sorry, it's just football. random. <laughs> But the NFL merged back in the day. The NBA merged back in the day as well. So, like, there are, this is not unprecedented, especially in this country. To me, it's just all about what the owners do and what they're looking, how they're looking to run the league. They still need to be ambitious in a lot of the things that they do and how they operate. It will be very difficult, I will say, especially right now, the money. The infrastructure and everything that's been built up in the NWSL, it's going to take some time to be a direct competitor. So I don't expect it to be a direct competitor soon, especially because NWSL, um, so many of those owners can pay a lot of money. Um, And we don't really know how the USL ownership is going to handle that or how ambitious they're going to be. Like I know the Washington, D.C. team is playing at Segra. Segra is reportedly getting a new pitch put in there so it shouldn't be terrible, but it's still not a professional venue in my estimation. Fine for Division Two, I would suppose, but not Division One. So there's still going to be some questions there. And then, of course, that August to May schedule. Amen. I know where Spokane is. I know where Brooklyn, New York is. Like, Washington, D.C. <laughs> Y'all yeah, get polar vortexes, too. <laughs> like, we'll see how this goes. This could be one of those things where the NWSL is like, see, this is why we don't play then, because... There's going to be a lot of weather-related events that are going to postpone games, cancel games, those sorts of things. Travel is going to be a, a hot-ass mess as well in some instances, especially at some times of the year. But ultimately, overall, I think this is good, and I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm trying to think of like the word to say of how I feel about this. I think I'm a bit more cautious about it. Um, I know there was a lot of people saying like, NWSL, get your bread up, which yes, but also I think the USL Super League, for example, has been able to watch and learn from the mistakes of the NWSL. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I don't think that should be di- like, that should not be divorced from the narrative. I think that is something that is extremely important to include in the creation of this league of being able to watch a league like the NWSL obviously grow from its infancy, but also like, being able to easily see all the shortcomings that have come about and then try to right those wrongs, essentially. Um, obviously, my number one thing, um, while I'm not a huge, I'm really not a huge proponent of the draft, I'm just like, there's got to be some sort of like, maybe not a combine, but I'm just like, all these teams need pl- like players. <laughs> like, outside of scouting, which a is combine like... combine would be dope, actually. I'm like, where where are all these teams yeah. going to find these players? Like, obviously, we know there's NWSL draft and all these things, but also at the same time, I'm like, if you were looking just at the US, how many Division One programs are there of athletes that are coming out of that might want to play professional soccer? We know that 200 signed up for the draft, but there could be so many more. So also in my brain, I'm like, how do you even do all that? But also, I'm not a club owner club president whatever that you know that's not my job um but i and i think the the no draft is um honestly it's kind of interesting i'm kind of here for it um of like everyone of in terms of everyone coming in as a free agent that i really do like um i have some questions about these markets brooklyn new york baby i live in brooklyn where y'all gonna play (laughs) people told me you have a field yeah 
I'm just saying you can't be a Brooklyn team playing in Queens, okay? Where <laughs> objectively, where are y'all gonna play? And Andre, literally, I looked, I looked deep in all of the Google Maps of Brooklyn of like where can a team play that a D1 professional team should be playing? Yeah. Technically, I found a field really close to the beach in Diker Heights, but I technically haven't even looked at it. And technically, there's a spot in my neighborhood, or sorry, it's not in my neighborhood, but it's not far from my neighborhood. But that's like not a professional field. It's a it's a high school field. And I know for the Tampa Bay team, because I do follow them on Twitter, I saw that they have already chosen their location. Um, and it's tech- to be fair, it's technically something similar that Boston is doing where they're sharing hmm. a municipal field. But also, I didn't like that Boston is doing that. And I don't like that yeah. these teams are going to be playing on or for the most part, be playing on turf. I thought it was very, it was the first thing that literally popped out to me as soon as I watched that video, like their kind of opening video, watching it the second time they kicked off that ball. And I literally saw a cloud of turf pop up. Yeah. And I'm like, if you want to be D one, you cannot play on turf fields on the sheer nature of, we know the amount of ligament injuries raised significantly just by playing on turf <laughs> in and out every day. Like, and they're only, and to be fair, now in the NWSL, I think there are only two teams that play on turf fields regularly um, in Seattle and Portland. And and for that, it's also purely because of the weather. Um, so, like, that, I, I can't lie, I don't really, like, I have a lot of questions about the facilities um, and, like, where the, where these teams are going to be playing. Um, and then my big thing, and this has always been my big thing, we've talked about it loads on this podcast, but the August to May, you think that Oh, I almost got myself canceled because I almost said something crazy. I'm going to rephrase. You <laughs> think that Major League Soccer would not have had a European schedule if it was not possible. You don't think in the how old am I? In the 27 years that they've been around <laughs> that they would not have figured out a European schedule if it were possible. It's just like it's quite simply not possible. They would have figured out a way to do it. Like, Especially on the like, especially on the men's side, because technically the NWSL used to be like what April to like August. You know that first season it was like four months, and now they've expanded and extended and all that stuff. So it's like okay, they're starting in April. Maybe they weren't thinking about you know starting in August, whatever. But on the men's side, <laughs> where they've actually been here for almost three decades, um, not yet three decades, only twenty seven, not yet three decades. Um, they would not have like tried to figure something else like that, that like that or USLW. Or sorry, um, or USL on the men's side would not figured out something like that. I just think it it deeply limits where you can play. And maybe you're thinking, in the most cynical way, global warming is happening. These places are getting warmer, <laughs> and might not be affected like by cold polar vortexes as much. But also on the flip side, there's also a whole other host of issues that will that are coming to these areas with global warming. I can say that I have lived in both Virginia and born and raised in Jersey and I live in Brooklyn. There are certain things that you cannot do in December, January, February. Growing up, I not only did I play soccer, I also rode crew. And like, I trust me, I used to watch weather patterns of being like, and I, especially with all of Gotham's rain delays, I know how to look at a radar now. But like, there are certain things that you can, <laughs> you can't do at certain parts in parts of this country. And if you ever want to, for example, expand to the Midwest, if you want to even expand farther north, there are like, you quite simply cannot, you can't be playing December, January, 
even February is a little dicey. Like, we had a 55-degree day last week, and then yesterday we got 10 inches of snow. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, it's just not, and also thinking, I mean, technically this is not exactly apples to oranges, but if you were paying, playing on grass, we know how many teams have gotten affected by frozen pitches in England recently. I often, I think of Chelsea. For example, that's happened to Chelsea twice. Like, and in England, it doesn't, like, the reason why they can play technically all year in England, even though it's frigid temperatures, is that it just doesn't snow that much. So they're not that yeah. deeply affected by the snow. But the pitch can still be frozen. And, you know, teams are still dealing with that. Like, for me, I've, like, the two, unfortunately, what's clouding my mind when I think about this league is obviously the facilities thing. Where are these teams going to play? Are you going to play on turf? But also, it's just like this August to May. Because also, you think about the flip side. Have you played in Florida in August? It's yeah. extremely hot. <laughs> Well, I mean, that, that's like Houston and, and Orlando, like going to play there in the NWSL in the summer is tough. But I mean, I, I agree. I think the problem that people don't, don't kind of get, and I think they're starting to get now just because of all the random, like really bad weather events that have happened like every year and they just keep getting worse, is that yes, there's global warming, but global warming has caused climate change. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> the climate is very unstable. And so we keep getting these very outrageously strong storms. They pop up out of nowhere. Like you said, you can have 55 degrees and you better hope that your game is scheduled on one of those days. Because if not, right. you could also get yourself 10 inches of snow. And August to May, you know, August, September, October, maybe you can get through November. Okay, cool. December, you might want to do one of what the Bundesliga does and just take a really long break <laughs> and maybe come back like late January, maybe try to suffer through late January and February, because if you get to like maybe March, April, May, maybe you're okay. But it's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I think, like you said, good point is, especially if they expand, like there are some markets already that are going to be big question marks, but you could at Chicago, good luck. Right, right. Like, there's going to be a lot. Minnesota, like yeah. we che cheered on the Minnesota Aurora before. Like, yeah, it's all. It's funny to me that it's like I and I look. I 100% under like want to make it how it is in Europe, but also like those leagues in Europe, or maybe not those leagues in Europe, but like football in Europe <laughs> has been around for more than a century. Like they've kind of figured like by force they've had to like work through all of these issues and thinking about like heated pitches and all that stuff for when it is you know it's not going to snow in england but it's still going to be absolutely frigid outside and it and it's just like funny to be also like august to may where it's like technically i know it's hot it, it can be super hot in june and july but for the most part those are the best weather months in this country like and so that's like unfortunately broadly when i think speaking, about this it's still, broadly yeah. speaking hotter than hail and he's i was like it's like, still so hot <laughs> yeah. and also you, you're talking to a person where i can literally become um what a salamander on a rock <laughs> i can just sit there all day and bake and have a real good time doing it um but yeah it's just like trust i'm just saying like if they could have figured out a way to make it european based especially think about mls want to make big money and align themselves with in europe they 100 would have i think found a way to do it and so i think like those are the two like, yeah, those are just kind of the two overarching things um, for me of when it comes to this this new league. But like, do I think it's very good for the NWSL to have some competition? Yeah. Do I want come competitions to happen? Yeah, I'm Hell like yeah. really excited for that. And also, yeah. just like the overall breadth of talent and depth of talent in this country, like it is 100% possible to have two functioning top tier leagues 
But also at the same time, you got to start like you got to start out top tier because that was also a thing with the NWSL too. It did not start out top tier. And even right now, do I think it's 100% top tier? No. (laughs) Do I think there's still issues, especially with facilities and stuff? And like, this is not just a USLW issue or sorry, not USLW, USL Super League issue. Um, But I do think I think my my questions are like tampering my excitement a little bit about it but i do think everyone a free agent great amanda uh amanda vandervoort also said like whenever if the players want to unionize they will voluntarily recognize the union also great i think like it's like i think all the people making decisions are the right people to have in charge to make those decisions and i think it's going to lead them gr- to greatness i'm just like there's a little bit too much noise for me to be like super excited about it i'm like cautiously yeah. i'm cautiously optimistic that's fair. I think that's a fair place to be. I mean, we don't know how a lot is going to work right now. And so we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But I think we're both like ultimately eager to see how it plays out. Look, I will be at that Brooklyn team if they're not in Diker Heights. I'm not going <laughs> I'm not going that far. That's like basically traveling to New Jersey at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it I'll be is literally I, so I said far. goodbye to Segra a, a while ago and I don't have any desire to go back. So we'll look, see what happens. Look, I'll be at Segra <laughs> if I decide to go visit my cousins in Leesburg. Look, I'll go the, stop at that oh, good Wegmans, get a fair. good old sandwich. Let me, let good me old sandwich. Andre, ready to talk Europe? Let's do it. All right, so let's talk about some goings-on across Europe. Um, (sighs) (laughs) I I see the first bullet point here. Yeah, I mean, there are some where I'm going to get excited about some of this, but I'm just reacting to the first bullet point because we did hear word that the Swiss government has decided to slash the budget for the euros that are supposed to take place there i believe what they were supposed to commit 15 million and 15 million francs francs correct and they slashed it to four and the men's budget was 82 yes so million francs this and it's been pointed out to me by by some people who know kind of the inner work more of the inner workings in the government kind of intervention here is that this is not the federation. This is Swiss, the Swiss government doing this or proposing that they do this. There's also the possibility that different municipalities and different places, you know, like local, you know, either whatever. I, I ain't no Swiss expert, but wherever uh, local governments will make up the money. But that's still a lot of money to make up across all of the venues where, where things may be uh, and take place. So it's not like 100% guaranteed that this is happening, but this is a really shitty headline and a really shitty thing to do. And I'm quite disappointed that I haven't really seen or heard UEFA say anything about it. Um, if they have, I completely missed it. But I think that this is the kind of thing where they absolutely need to step in because if a, if a, if a location, if a country submits a bid and the bid wins, that means that things in the bid were attractive enough to be able to say, hey, we want our, this tournament to be held here because you have promised us X, Y, and Z. My guess is if you slash the bullet budget by 11 million <laughs> when you were only supposed to, when you were all, all, already only had 15 million committed, I feel like that somehow has to fall in the category of invalidating some of the promises that you made to secure the bid in the first place. So I'm kind of hoping that there are conversations happening and that this 
tournament will not be affected because honestly, if this is how you feel, fuck you, right? <laughs> like can move the tournament somewhere else. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that it move doesn't it have to come that way. I'd love that. Uh, I'd, I'm hoping it doesn't have to happen that way. But I do hope that there is a lot of pressure being put on them because this is not just a bad headline, but this is just a really shitty and wrong thing to do. Yeah, I'm completely disgusted by this. I think it is absolutely ridiculous. It is absolutely atrocious for even the idea of this to come about. Um, and really what it is, is that, you know, their parliament, or sorry, like the country's federal council just doesn't want to spend as much money on women's euros. Like, that's what it is, plain and simple. I'm a- This actually makes me so deeply angry. One, I went to the Euros in England, la- in, uh, not last summer, uh, in 2022, and I had a fantastic time. Everywhere you went, people were talking about it. Obviously, it helps that your team is doing really, really well. England goes on to win it. But I think what makes me most frustrated is like, it's two things. One, we are so quick to celebrate good things, which is important. It's important to celebrate good things because there are terrible things happening all the time. But it also just feels like such a slap in the face to all the good things that have come out of the Women's Zeros, the Women's World Cup. Heck, what's going to come out of the Olympics this summer? And yet you still have governments. It's not even the sporting body. I think I would almost be like less mad if it was just the Swiss Federation. The fact that this is a like a government-based initiative is deeply frustrating. What does that say to the young girls in your country that want to get into football? I've seen so many ads. Actually, one of the ads during the World or <laughs> the World Cup, uh, one of the ads during the Super Bowl was by Dove, and it was about how how many girls drop out of sports by the age of fourteen. And like this hits deep for me because I have been extremely sporty my entire life. I've played so many sports. Like I'm so sporty and I love sports, and it's like truly like the number two thing about me besides being a black woman, <laughs> or maybe even number three. Number two is also loving Beyonce, but. Like, it is so deeply frustrating, the message that this is sending. And obviously, people in Parliament, like, I've I read some reporting, people in Parliament are obviously outraged about this. And they're like, this is going to have cascading effects for girls and players in this country. But also, it's just like, it's just such a slap in the face. Like, it's just like, such a constant thing of like, two steps forward, one step back. Like, it's just like, so, like, I'm just like, so deeply angry about it. I know I just said it of like, not to make women's sports so friend like family friendly, but like getting girls in sports is like really, really important for like your development or getting in just in extracurriculars in general, but especially sports, it's so important for your development. And I just like think about all of the girls and women in Switzerland who also are likely huge football fans. <laughs> like and it's just like, nope, we're just gonna slash this. Yeah, I second that. It's it's real stupid and and again, like they used to have, like, what, a season or two ago, they had Servette. Got into the Champions League, and it looked like, okay, maybe this is why they want to, like, kind of try and grow their 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 domestic product as well and all of that. And you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe something shifted from the time when they submitted the bid. But again, if that's the case, then just say so and get out of it. Put it somewhere else. Because also, it's going to make the tournament worse. Yep. Like, it's literally going to make the tournament worse. It's going to be less fans going to games. And, like, I've traveled around Europe, like, the one thing I've heard everyone say is, like, Switzerland is already deeply expensive. Like, Switzerland is already super it expensive. It sure is. When I heard it was going to Switzerland, I was like, well, guess I won't be there. <laughs> right. Or it's, like, going to go stay in France and drive across the border or stay in Germany and drive across the border. And so, also, when there are other countries that 
deeply wanted these euros and then you're just slashing them like i just like uefa has at this point uefa has to step in especially the point you made about like when you submit a bid you're committing x amount of funds to it if you're slashing the funds you are reneging on your bid like uefa needs to come in and give it to someone else obviously i said portugal because i love going to portugal it's just like (laughs) i I just love that place (laughs) quite simply yeah it's a great place. I think also, if you want to give it to another country where you want like women's football to really grow, like I think, like especially for like Benfica and the Women's Champions League, like that's mm-hmm. big math, yeah. big brain. Like I think that's a perfect place for it to go. Um, we also but, saw yeah, just, Brittany Rafino. We were wondering where she was going to end up. She's at Sporting yeah. Lisbon, so she went to Portugal as well. So Facts. like, okay, they're they're making some noise. They're doing some recruiting. They're you know, okay, right. like I, that'd be dope. I'd be here for Portugal, and I would go. I would go. <laughs> Any reason to go back to Portugal, but especially this. I will be like, right hey, there hey. getting mistaken for mostly Brazilian when I'm there <laughs> because of the curly hair. I'm not joking. People immediately come up to speak Portuguese. And I'm like, sorry. Um, but yeah, like when there are so many bids for this tournament and countries wanting to invest in this tournament, UEFA needs to step in and give it either give it to someone else or make them up the budget. Because also I think like Andre, remember the beauty of taking free public transit to and from the stadiums for yeah. the Women's World Cup? Like, that's how you get butts in seats. You make it accessible. You make it fun. Like, not just family-friendly fun, but just generally fun. I had literally such a fantastic time in Australia. I'm, like, trying to think about how me and this knee of mine can get back on a plane to go back because I had a fantastic time. Like, I'm just, I'm so mad. I know we've been talking for a while, but I'm, like, I'm still so mad about it. it and this happened, like, last week or something. Like, yeah, I'm... I'm still mad about it. Another thing I'm mad at, I'm just, I'm still ranting. Another thing I'm mad at, Bunny Shaw got elbowed in the face. And Man yeah, City's 1-0 win over Arsenal. She got elbowed in the face. And folks on here, not on here, not on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I said on here. But some <laughs> folks on the internet said, that's a yellow card. And I said, whenever. I don't care if you were jumping towards the ball. If your eyes are 100% on the ball. If you elbow someone in the face in the box. It's a red card. There are, there like, I have to think of such a specific scenario in which it is not a red card. An elbow to the face, it's it's a red card. Like, it's, it is so absolutely baffling to me why that was not given. Especially when also, like, other media members were saying it too. They were like, that should be a red card and a penalty. And it's like, correct, it should be. Well, there was a ton of really unfortunate refereeing across these FA Cup games because yeah. Mabry Ramirez, who scored an absolutely ridiculous goal to be her first goal for Chelsea, I was like oh, a back hill chip flick situation that was so just I so forever. I was like, yo, you, you, you are captured my heart. Exactly what we knew we knew you were. Um but she was getting like yanked back multiple times. I saw multiple at least six times. times. Not They're a like, yellow card. Yeah, not a single yellow card, but Crystal Palace. And shout out to Crystal Palace. This ain't just like being mad at them because it's actually the way that they played, the energy they expended to defend Chelsea. It was actually like, damn, like y'all, y'all are, they were up for this game. They were up for this game. And from, from all minutes, like they didn't, they didn't uh, have a drop. All minutes before, no, yeah, but, no, no, no. I mean, but all look minutes what before t- six, before <laughs> 65. And then they decided to drop out to, get out of the low block and i was like why did you do that well, we're yeah. now going to score 
<laughs> yes, they yes, they did try to flip That's the tactic, tactic a little bit and that just that was not a smart idea because Chelsea are Chelsea. But Chelsea still, I mean, think about the goal they scored and that was the only goal of the game. So That's like true. it's still not like they battered them after that, but it definitely didn't help in terms of giving the space to create that chance, but yeah, I mean, she was just getting like pulled and shout out to her for not like getting mad or yelling at the ref or reacting to a player. Like she just kind of dealt with it. But I was getting quite frustrated there, one, because obviously I'm a Chelsea fan and I wanted Chelsea to win. But like also player safety, like you got cards, like doing these things is important. Like you can't just yank a player back when they're running full speed. Like that's dangerous. Like, you know, I I need these refs to protect black and brown players more. Yes. And it is it is not lost on me that Myra Ramirez and Bunny Shaw are both bigger players. They're tall. They're domineering. Yeah. They can be deeply frustrating to defenders that these two players were constantly getting fouled. And we've seen Bunny get fouled so many times in the WSL, and she is never protected. And if you need to ask yourself why, first of all, I'm surprised you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) especially during Black History Month, but conversation another time. I mean, shout out to you. Hope you stick around. I mean, oh, yeah. Hopefully you can learn some things today. Anyway, um, it is so deeply frustrating that (laughs) these refs are so poor at protecting players at times. Like, so poor. And also for, like, textbook things. Let's say you did not see, and, like, we know that there's no VAR. You can't go back and look. And let's say, like, you don't see the elbow for some wild reason. But let's say you don't see it. For the Ramirez thing, those were textbook yellow cards. Like, so immediately textbook yellow cards. And maybe this goes back to an entire thing about, like, funding and resources and making sure that these reps are properly equipped and not giving, just making these women games, like, your entry level for refereeing. Which, not saying it they are, but sometimes I can't lie, they kind of feel like they are. Um, And it's just, it's, oh, it's so deeply frustrating. But I want to say happy American, not UK, but American Black History Month to Kiara Keating. Because... She was a brick wall against Arsenal. And she made so many fantastic saves that kept that game at 1-0 and secured her team the win. She was my player of the match. And she was just literally so, like, everything about her was so good. I heard um, Darian Jenkins say she's 5'6", but she was playing like she was 6'1". And I was like, first of all, period. But also, I was like, she's, (laughs) the growth that she's had over the last year and her quality and being able to unseat like Man City starting goalkeeper and becoming the number one and kind of taking it as her own. I think she's just been so good and deserves so many flowers. Um, and she's just absolutely fantastic. And I just want to give all the kudos to her, especially thinking about like the mistakes that she made the last time Arsenal played Manchester City and basically costing City the game. Um, and the fact that she came in and just like flipped the performance and was like, I'm here. You're not going to get this ball past me. Even, I mean, I'm not going to say the ball did or did not go over the line at that very end. In my brain, I don't think it did, honestly. I I think about, like, and I mean fully breaking the plane, which is what it has to be. I think it's like that. uh, Remember, the ball is a sphere conversation from the Men's World Cup. The ball is a sphere. And so I don't think it was, you know, it was fully broken. And so, um, yeah, I just want to give all the kudos to her. She was absolutely fantastic. There were also some really good uh, performances around the FA Cup, though. And I have to give a shout out to Emma Kuhlberg, who is 32 years old, Swedish player, playing for Brighton. Had joined Brighton in 2021. Yeah, joined Brighton in 2021. Had never scored for Brighton and somehow out of nowhere dropped an eight-minute hat trick. (laughs) 
an eight, also amazing. an eight minute hat trick from the literally like the 88th minute yeah, yeah. like it was tied he was like, like i'm here now and she was like hello good morning good afternoon good evening i'm and I'm, I'm ending and this good game night. right now. <laughs> yeah. and good night yeah. i'm ending this game right now and i'm scoring an eight minute hat trick which yeah, is that, honestly that was... so baffling that was iconic. That was absolutely amazing. And and why, honestly, I love cup games. They're fun. Um, also want to say Barcelona dropped points at home for the first time since... Ever? <laughs> I'm joking. Just about I know ever. I know it's not ever, but <laughs> feels uh, like it. Since 2019. So ever? 1-1 one, with Levante. That is amazing. And I, I, I think I said this on another podcast, but I was like, hey, man. Raldez, my guy, don't 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 put yourself on fraud alert before you even get to the spirit, homie. Like like, hey, hey, man, that that four four away of Benfica, and now you draw. I mean, also Barcelona play way too many games. Like League FA is absolutely outrageous in how many games they make them play. Um, all teams play, but like, hey, this didn't. Uh, this was not the type of typical performance you would. And, and no disrespect, because Levante, if you look at the table, Levante is one of the top teams in that league. And they had a really, really um, good game plan, scored a really good goal. Alba Redondo scored a very, very good goal. And they were able to defend and hang on to it. Also, shout out to the ref, because a lot of times, like, I think there are five minutes of stoppage time. And a lot of times the refs will, especially if it's like the the team like the the favorite the favorite team will just continue to have like maybe an extra minute or they get to recycle possession a little bit. Hey man, that clock hit ninety four fifty eight, and she was like, "Game is over." <laughs> she was like, "Done." And I was, was like, like "Shout that out from to you. right?" Yeah, I really thought I really really thought that it was gonna go to like ninety six because at that point, like Barcelona was just whipping in crosses from left and right. And there was like a point blank header that the goalkeeper, Levante's goalkeeper kept off the line, like point blank save. And I was like, Hey, that could have gone anywhere. Uh, That could have been it. So like, I think if they would have got a couple more opportunities to get the ball in the box, they probably could have got the win. But that ref was like, nah, y'all had, you had the minutes. I gave them to you. They're over now. Uh, I'll take this one, one. And I loved it. The game is I'm entering the game. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's actually, well, sorry. I was going to say it's actually quite baffling, but um, technically this is, is this the first time that Barcelona has ever tied two games in a row? It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be. I, I In terms of like their results before well, they became the wait. Barcelona we know, probably, but like. Technically it's not because they beat Sevilla like last week, like 8-0. So it's actually well, yeah, technically. Yeah, that's not, that's not back-to-back. Not, but, in, not in consecutive games. Right. Um, I was thinking like that UCL draw. Yeah. And then, yeah. But, um. I don't think Geraldes is on fraud watch, but if that does happen, Amen. I will laugh, saying. but just at you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I don't love the results right now. And, and again, it was. there's also conversation, right? It is difficult to coach a team when they know you're leaving, right? So like, they know that you ain't going to be here. You've kind of not really given up on them, but you're done, right? You're not, you're not going to stick with the team. So it is difficult to keep the same level of intensity. So, you know, we'll see. Emma Hayes yeah, doesn't seem to be having Chelsea. that problem. I was like, that. I was like, Emma Hayes is like, we are going to war. Yeah, exactly. But, She's like, but I also think that, like, Barcelona already won the Champions League. Like, Chelsea's playing for something else. And I also think yeah. that Emma Hayes, in terms of her relationship with the players and, like, how she's kind of adored uh, with all of them, it's a little bit different because I don't think he has that same relationship. He's good, and I think all the players like him, but it's a little bit different. But I am glad you brought up Emma Hayes because there was a report today and 
I don't know how I feel about it. Actually, I do know how I feel about it. <laughs> but, do you want to yeah. read the report to the people first? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Um, Charlotte Harper uh, of The Athletic has reported that Chelsea made a contract offer to Lyon's head coach, Sonia Bonpastor, to replace Emma Hayes. I have seen Tom Gary, I believe, put out a piece that said uh, Chelsea face a tough fight uh, to get her because it sounds like Lyon's new ownership, which is also, you know, Michelle Kang. Michelle Kang! <laughs> um, uh, wants to keep Bompastor and is working on an extension. Uh, and she does have a contract with the team until 2025. So it would cost a lot of money and she would have to kind of tell them that she wants to leave um, them. And so... Apparently, it is going to be a bit of a fight, but here's my here's my advice to Chelsea. Please don't fight too hard. I was like, well, let her go. Yeah, just just <laughs> let that let that ride. Like you don't, and, you can make a different decision. It's fine. And like, obviously, it's not saying that she's not a, a good manager. Like, she won a Champions League with Lyon, has won, you know, won the league with them. But like, and then what happened? Is that what you're? Like, what well, you're I mean, yeah, th- there's that, but also like <laughs> the Champions League results since then have not been good. Like, well, yeah, I mean, especially when they're in, I would argue the easiest, the easiest yes. group. Yes, um, last season, remember last year's Champions League, Arsenal beat them five to one. They played Juventus twice and couldn't get a single win. They drew twice, nil nil, and I think one one. Like they lost to Chelsea Champions at the bridge. League, yeah, with a depleted Chelsea. A depleted Chelsea. They had Marimelda out there. Like, hey, man, I love Marimelda, but... Uh, Patate missed her penalty. Yes, yes, that is true. Uh, but, but like, yeah, I'm like, since then, they have not looked impressive at all. And yes, they're always going to be the top, one of the top teams, if not the top team in France. Um, PSG keeps just being silly and they deal with an exodus almost every single off season. <laughs> so like, they're just, there's they really no like do, real, yeah, they, they do. Really and, do. And I don't really understand. It's, it's, there's gotta be something going on there, but like, they don't have a lot of direct competition. That's not like absolutely chaotic or weird. If they did, I don't believe they would run away with the league as they usually do. But like in the champions league, even against teams that aren't like Barcelona or Chelsea, they still haven't really looked like super great. And with that squad, yeah, I got that's questions. Very, that's very true. Um, especially watching their game against PSG where they were simultaneously extremely lucky while PSG's goalkeeper stood on her head, but they were also extremely lucky to get that drop because of um, De Almeida's own goal. A player, I also will say, I have never trusted. I did not okay. trust her when she was at Montpellier. <laughs> Didn't trust her when she went to PSG. Don't have a lot of trust there. Um, that high line was Chawinga was eating that high line. She burned up Vanessa. G. She was eating that high line. Ooh, Shout out to Ava Gattino for that insane oh. pass. Yeah, that was dope. That pass debut was too. Delicious. That was that was nasty. That was a delicious pass. Um, Let me tell y'all about college. There's hey, I'm just saying, just saying. There's a lot of talent in ball, college. Ballers everywhere. Yeah. Smart ballers. They got they got college degrees. Um, some of them. <laughs> Not all of them, but some. some. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not like super jazzed about it, honestly. But though I, if I'm being honest, I'm like, I don't. Who would I want to replace Emma Hayes at Chelsea? Emma Hayes, <laughs> like, like I just can't think of anyone else. Also, I don't want anyone else. I just want her to be there forever, even though I know she's going to be with the session. No, but, I mean, I, I think but, I don't know. There are there are options. I think the the problem that I have with Bumpastor is that 
if you look at what Chelsea need, like she to me would be signing like somebody who's iconic, a well-known name in the game. And with the squad that they have and the recruitment that they've done, I think you need to focus more on. And I also don't think you need to replace him Hayes. Like you don't need the next manager that's going to be there for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. That's not the plan. Like it just get somebody who's going to take this crop of players that you got and like for the next two to three years, try to maximize what they have. So player development, I'm thinking of like even like um, uh, tactical flexibility a little bit, you know, some versatility, you know, adding in some new elements, given the players that we have on the squad, there's a lot that can be done, especially at midfield with the different profiles of players, like have somebody that knows how to utilize those things. And I think that those coaches do exist. They may not be massive names right now, but I honestly don't think you need a name. If you try to just replace the name, I think you're going to go wrong. And that's what this feels like. Oh, yeah, I know. But like all the things you describe, I'm like, Emma Hayes, Emma Hayes, Emma Hayes. Oh, yeah, Emma Hayes. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, we, we <laughs> no, got her. Yeah, I don't mean the next, like, I want Emma Hayes to replace Emma Hayes because I'm like, I just want like a really great manager. Like not the next great manager, but like already a great manager um even though if i were to just randomly throw out a name i don't know this person's name and i also this popped in my head while you're talking um but then also at the same time i have questions but you know who's secretly doing a good job roma's manager yeah and i like the way roma like, plays too i was like the way they broke that uva dominance in Serie A, feminine important but that's a conversation for another time but that was just something that popped in my head while you were talking um yeah i'm not like super uh super into this hire but also at the same time i don't know if chelsea is moving in the same way that u.s soccer is moving but also before emma hayes they were like here's a list of three candidates none of them were emma hayes and they were like hi emma hayes so maybe that's what's happening with Bowley at the wheel at the wheel but i also can't lie i really hope that emma has like a very strong hand in the process of hiring her success i'm be honest i almost um, hope that she doesn't i think in wow. terms of like the transition of like passing things off yes but in terms of choosing the next coach i, I think the team needs to handle that so oh i just don't also at the same time i don't trust ton Bowley to put <laughs> someone that's not deeply unserious in the role well, this is what this is what scares me about it, is this seems where the Bon Pastor thing came from. It's just kind of like, ooh, like, you know, who who's who's a big name manager? And if you're not going to get Serena Vigman from like, she's not going to leave England. So <laughs> then the next Vigman, name would be Sonia Bon Pastor. Absolutely die. I the the death I would have <laughs> if that were to happen. I would hear that and my brain would explode on the spot like oh, Chelsea I, would be the most hated women's team in England that's the other I problem mean, like I think yes, they'd be real upset also would be like so <laughs> like that would be so funny to me like that would. would be so funny but yeah I just like also don't trust the board to not put in someone deeply unserious um yeah. but yeah that's the thing but Andre wrapping us up here because we've been, we've been chitting and chatting for a while um yeah. you, the women's champions league draw happened we're getting on one side of the draw. We're getting Braun versus Barca versus the winner of Ajax versus Chelsea, and then on the other side of the draw, we're getting the winner of Benfica versus Lyon versus Hacken, or the winner of Hacken versus PSG. I am. I actually think this is the best draw that could happen outside of I want to swap where Chelsea is on the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> um. Technically, I'd be fine if we also swap like Ajax and Benfica, but <laughs> um, I do think like from a 
purely neutral standpoint, I do think they're the most interesting matchups. It's the type of matchup where, like, I don't think they're all going to be walks in the park, honestly. Like, Hack and PSG, I'm like, the way PSG is playing, they could win 5-0 or they could concede four goals. Like, yeah. anything is possible. And honestly, kind of the same way for Lyon. Like, Benfica's got sharp shooters mm-hmm. and have a fun playing style. Like, Lyon, again, could score four goals. Or with the high line, get burned really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one that is frustrating is the is the Braun Barca. Like, just, all right, fine. You want them in the semifinal? Okay, well, I mean, no no disrespect to Braun, but they ain't beating Barcelona over two legs. And that's kind of where I get frustrated, too, because I, I'm... I think it would be very interesting to see Chelsea play Barcelona in a championship. Beating them in, across two legs scares me. That's very hard to do. Me too. So if Chelsea gets by Ajax, which Emma Hayes was very, very complimentary of Ajax because they asked her about the potential matchup with Barcelona, and she was like, there's no way you're going to get me to kind of look past Ajax. That's a very good squad. They deserve their position. And, of course, you know. Colin Lilly. She she could yeah she could be doing that thing that some managers do, but like yeah I I also need her to put her arm around Lily Johannes and be like hey so come got to the US idea. sit sit down two matches and I will bring you to the US yes. <laughs> I I have an idea and uh, you're gonna love it so but yeah I'm kind of excited about it I think it's gonna be good I'm I've got you know basically every matchup for me besides Braun Barca is gonna be interesting. I'm hoping that Benfica has a lot of confidence from that 4-4 with Barcelona um, because they really don't need to play with any measure of fear against Lyon. I think if they hit Lyon, Lyon will get a little bit shook, and I feel like they can. They have the talent to do so. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about the Champions League whenever it comes back in, like, six months. <laughs> just feels like just feels like it's such a long break. <laughs> the is group stages are over. It is, but it's just like the group oh. stages are over, and then it's like, ugh. I want the Champions League back, but it's gonna it's gonna take a minute. But it's fine. I'll be fine. It's gonna take a minute, but we have the W Gold Cup to keep us warm. Correct. I mean, in March nineteenth, so I guess it's not that far away, but it feels like it's far away. Um. Okay. It's really, Courtney, it's really syncing up with the start of the NWSL, huh? Sure is. Everything gonna happen at the same time. It'll be and fine. The final, of the W Gold Cup. Oh, yeah, that's March tenth. March twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Heating the hype. It's time. You go what first. Are you what about? are you heated about? Ooh, Jinx, you go first. <laughs> I'm heated about June Endo tearing her ACL. Just Period. makes me upset. I just hate it. She's one of my favorite players, and I saw up close how Japan was affected when she was not in at left back, and that was actually the game they really needed to win. And I was really big mad in the stands, and was really cold, <laughs> just cold and mad uh, in the stands because I that knew how that game could have gone. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate, but like I, she's such a fun player. And I was really looking forward to like what Angel City was building in attack. I mean, they have such a fun, versatile attack. And I was really excited to see pieces come together. You know, obviously Messiah Bright getting her to kind of be that central piece. And then with the with the wide players they have, she to me was very central to that, especially um, without knowing Kristen Press's timetable. Her on that left wing is just such a fun player. She's so clever. She's so good on the ball, loves to nutmeg people. I mean, just a player like straight off like like imprinted in my heart because of the stuff that she does she plays disrespectfully she does all the disrespectful things that i like to see she's audacious all of that and we're not gonna see her for at least uh uh, we're not gonna see her any any of this season and then we'll see if she when she comes back and hopefully she can be back next season but it just sucks 
it really sucks. And not going to start the whole ACL conversation again because we've talked about it a lot, but it's just, it's sad. Every time, every time we see it, it's, it's sad. And this one really hurt. Yeah, it sucks. It uh, 100% sucks. Gutted for her. Like, that absolutely sucks. She probably would have made the Japan's Olympic squad. Like, that, it sucks. Oh, absolutely. I think he learned his lesson. Like, you you cannot play. Like, you need Junindo out there. And now he's not going to have that opportunity. And that that really sucks, too. Yeah. Deeply unfortunate. Ban knees. Ban ACL injuries. Ban quads. Why? Because my heated is I'm heated. I have a two-part heated. One, I'm heated at my quad. On my left leg. I had surgery. My quad does not want to engage. Ever. It's like, I'm going to be dormant. And I'm like, you literally can't be dormant. I need to walk. I need to be able to do things. And so um, my body part of the week that I'm beefing with this week is my quad. Stay tuned to see next week. Is it still my quad? Is it just my knee in general? Or is it my calf muscle? Um, <laughs> or sometimes is it me and my silly little brain? But yeah, I'm currently beefing with my quad because it never wants to engage. Um, no, but what I'm also eating about is the CDC. There has been some reporting that they're planning to not require people to isolate after testing positive for COVID. That is an absolutely disgust. I know I've said disgusting decision, but that's a disgusting decision. That is so dangerous to so many people. COVID is not the flu. People are still dying from COVID all the time, every day. Droves and droves of people are dying. Droves and droves of people are getting long COVID. And this not having an isolation period is so dangerous. It is just quite simply so dangerous. And we know that people are like, it'd be one thing if they did that and there were still a mask mandate or something to protect other people, people who also cannot wear masks for cert- like for any type of reason. It is, that is just such a terrible poly de- policy decision. And it's just also just like, this makes it so increasingly clear. It's like, y'all don't give a crap about anyone in this country. You're bending to the will of businesses. The reason why we got five days isolation was because of Delta Airlines. Literally, Delta CEO was like, can we please trim this down so that way more flight attendants could be sick and infecting people on or infecting people on the plane. And now it's just like they're not even going to have an isolation period. That is so wildly dangerous. And it is such like, honestly, it's for the like, I was like, I like this country is just like, it is so terrible. And this is just like a it's not the cherry on top of a mountain of terrible things. But like, y'all don't even tell like you. Either purposefully or not purposefully aren't giving people clear directions of what they do, like what they do when they get sick or what they do when they get COVID or coming back to work or making it safe or having even better guidelines for people. And now you're not even going to have an isolation period when people are sick. Because also, if you've been outside in the last month, people don't walk around sounding like they're coughing, losing a lung. It's disgusting outside with the amount of just illnesses COVID or otherwise, that people just walk around with unmasked, also just spreading to other people. Yeah, it's real gross. And it ain't like our, you know, it ain't like our healthcare system is Can even great. handle it. So, yeah. So it's like, mm, great. So you're just gonna, gonna just make even more people sick. And uh, yeah, great, great, great. Good decision making. Thank you. Uh, what What is your, your actual title? Center for Disease Control? Yeah. Good job. Way to go. Not controlling a single disease. <laughs> Not a single one. Not an area one. Um, well, uh, hard to transition out of that, but uh, we're going to talk about what we're hyped about. And I kind of want you to start because I feel like you're, you're hyped is very different from mine, even though it's basically this exact same <laughs> subject. 
Um, Beyonce dropped a, is dropping a country album and I've never been more excited in my entire life. While I can't dance, I've been finding ways to dance. I'm literally in the process of getting cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to force my older sister to take square dancing classes with me. I've never been more excited about an album, I think, in my entire life. Genuinely. I've listened to those first two tracks and 16 Carriages has gotten to the point of like sad country song to like slowly ripping my heart out every single time because she talks about 16 carriages and for some reason in my brain like hearing her sing about it my brain thinks of a funeral procession (laughs) with 16 carriages like my brain that's like the first place my brain went to which i know it's not original i know know. (laughs) but I'm, i'm gonna bring it back i promise i just had to get that thought out even though i know it's not an original thought because i saw even though it came to me immediately the second time I listened to the song, I saw someone on TikTok talking about it, and I said, may I ever have a original thought ever in my entire life ever again? Um, but that is the in, uh, imagery that is con- that I conjures me, or that conjures in my brain, which is why this episode is not Beyonce-themed, because I think about saving carriages and I get sad. However, um, these two songs have fed my soul in a way I did not know was possible. Like, like genuinely. Like, it's basically all that I've been listening to since it's dropped, I went a little feral during the Super Bowl when she said drop the music, and I was literally like, "Where? Where's the music, Beyonce?" And I was tweeting up a storm, being like, "Where's the music?" And they were like, "Title," and I was like, "Dang it, I'm never getting this service." And then luckily, it dropped to Apple and Spotify like ten minutes later. Um, no, but those I've never actually been more excited for an album to feed my soul in a way that I did not know my soul needed to be fed. Like, like genuinely, like Texas Hold'em is an absolutely fantastic song. I love it. it. It's so funny, the dichotomy between the two songs, because one like literally brings me up while the other just like brings me down into my deep honey nut filios. I need this. It's making a whole bunch of folks mad for absolutely no reason. And Beyonce's like, I'm reclaiming the roots of this genre and i'm excited and now if she has a concert i also want to hear all of her songs in a country rendition because i heard a country rendition of irreplaceable and i was like oh it's on and now i want to dye my hair blonde (laughs) people tweet at me telling me not to dye my hair it's going bleach is going to ruin my hair and yet i'm like i saw that one photo of beyonce and again it spoke to me in a way i've never been talked to before and I'm like, I need to dye my hair blonde. I need to dye it and I need to blow it out. And it needs to be platinum blonde. And I know that's a terrible decision. But also, do I want it fully and immediately and with all my heart? Yes. And that's why I can't do it. Because I know it's going to be a bad idea in the end. But also, I need to have my hair like that. I need to be blonde for a little bit. And anyway, Andre, what are you hyped about? That's also Beyonce related. I am. Well, I am... I'm interested in this project. I think it's fun. I think it's unique. I think it's something that I always kind of love when artists hop genres, especially when they do it well. And, you know, if you think of the approach that she took for Renaissance, you know, which I guess is now act one, um, she got deep into dance music, dance music culture, brought in a lot of, you know, lesser known um, people to collab with and really got into like the history of it and the vibe of the music and really paid homage to it by diving in and and treating it seriously. And I think when you have an artist who's smart to to do that, can do all the connections, has the range and the versatility that she does to do that, I'm I'm interested in this. But what I'm more interested in, and here's where we we diverge a bit, because I am not a big country fan. 
I'm going to listen to the album and I'm going to like see where she goes with it. But I am not like a person that digs a lot of country uh, music. I pretty much don't listen to to any. And I'm excited to see what she does in the genre. But here's what I'm excited about. If we're looking at this in acts, which a typical project or play is three acts. Act one, dance. Act two, country. Act three, rock. Yes. I need a Beyonce rock album. And if this is what we have to do to get to act three for the rock album, I am here for it. I need it. I also need a Beyonce rock album. Um, I know we were talking about rock in the group chat before. And I was like, that's not really 100% me. I'm, I can't lie. I'm a little bit more pop punk. However, and this is what I was thinking. I, Andre, I have all these, I have all these thoughts. I just have so many. And I was thinking, who I was thinking the queen of rock. Do you know who the queen of rock is? Well, depends on who you're talking to, but who do you have in mind? Tina Turner. Well, okay, just making sure. <laughs> I was I'm like, just who saying. are you talking about? Well, I, I mean, I my mine is Tina Turner, but I was just I was also like, like is... you know, if you if you ask some other people who might not be, you know, Pishmash, I don't care about them people. Right. But <laughs> I'm just saying, if we get like a Beyonce, like so here this is also my I have so many big thoughts. So if we think of like, and I know we need to end this podcast, but just come on, come with me on this journey. If we think about like Renaissance and obviously delving into house music, but also I felt like heavy at times, heavy Prince influences, you know, along with others. And with this country, I'm haven't yet come to my influences, but also I'm like put Brittany Howard on a song, please. That's actually all I need. That's gotta happen. And then maybe we'll Casey Musgraves, but I just love Casey Musgraves. But like Brittany Howard, also Chris Stapleton. I want to hear him sing that. I just want to sing here. I'm seeing this phone book, even though I will say I'm also not super into country. I like your little country here and there, but I'm not super into country. Um, but rock album, if we get like somehow Beyonce, Tina Turner crossover somehow, I will cease to exist. I love Tina Turner. I don't think people really know this that much about me, but I love Tina Turner, like deeply spiritually in my soul. I love me some Tina Turner. And if there is that influence on that rock album, I personally will cease to exist. And I will take joy in that. (laughs) I will take so much joy in that. But also, I will just, I will cease to exist. I need a Beyonce rock album. Yeah, this is this is why I'm excited about it. I, I'm I just acts come in three. I'm looking at the genres that she's been in and how she's pushing herself and kind of you know um, molding her style into different genres and, and territories. And it, like logically, I don't know what Act Three is going to be, but I feel like it's got to be a rock album, and I need it. Like If by Janet Jackson is one of my favorite songs. It is a rock song like there are so many black cat as well like there are so many that she could dip to and dip in i mean and we we even can go to like Scream. some serious rock where there's like black rock you know musicians that sing uh that are in the rock space as well and there are so many collaborations that she could do um i think her voice lends well and would sound good juxtaposed with electric guitar as well so like i need it and hoping that And I don't mean to skip ahead from Act Act 2, but the way I vibe, how I get down, I'm more excited about the possibility of an Act 3 rock album. I need it. I want it. I, for some reason, when you're talking, when you brought up Janet Jackson, I also thought of, and maybe, I don't, I'm curious, do you consider Scream by Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson a rock song? 
It's got rock elements, but I don't consider it a rock song, to be honest. Because I was like, to me, like, also, sometimes I think of rock, I think of rage. And like, to me, that is like one of the quintessential rage songs. And I was just like, I would like Beyonce see that to do that. But also, I will say, I don't, I've, I grew up in the era of like heavy, some more closer pop punk or pop rock um, versus like rock. But I also deeply love Tina Turner as the queen of rock. Also, I'm going to ask you later. Who who else would be the queen? <laughs> because it's Tate Turner. Um, but yeah, that I just need all the Beyonce albums. But also, Bye. I still have feelings about Sixteen Carriages, and I can't <laughs> tell them on this podcast because everyone's going to get really sad and also be like, "Courtney, please stop talking." Um, which is fair. fair, fair. <laughs> um, all right. Um, I think that's it. Are we? Are you ready to say bye, or are we gonna like? Are you, I, look, I keep talking about Beyonce and Tina Turner all day, but bye! <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.